Well, good evening, Patty people. Welcome to Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. And uh, it's a wonderful evening out there. It's a little brisk. That song brought me back, but I don't know. I can't. I'm, I'm not placing it. It's an original track. Your original? Not my original, oh, but an original that was created specifically for Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Oh, is it? Crazy, right? Oh. We are that. We, we're like incredibly cool. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Actually, it's like there's actually been a lot of strides. If you guys are listening here and you haven't visited the website recently, you've got to visit the website. It's, it's really easy to remember. It's apologetics.com. And uh, there's some great updates. And uh, the, the, we actually now just started. Um, it's not accredited or anything, but a certificate program in Christian apologetics where we're partnering with some of, I mean, the world's best Christian apologists to provide content. And um, you can learn a thing or two from it. And it's a, it's a great resource. So if you guys are wanting to go deeper than what the show gets you, uh, the live radio program that is, make sure that you go to apologetics.com. And if you're there, and if you guys have listened to apologetics.com radio for any amount of time uh, and you haven't given, I would love to encourage you to visit that website, apologetics.com, and click on that donate button up in the upper right-hand corner. And uh, in every single cent that you give of that tax-deductible donation goes directly to keeping us on the air live at midnight uh, every Friday, well, I guess technically Saturday morning, and uh, but, but we really do appreciate all the support, and um, and we look forward to seeing what the Lord does this year through this ministry as it seeks to grow and, and maybe um, maybe transition some things and change some stuff, so it's going to be good stuff uh, coming your way, and if you want to be a partner with us, a strategic partner, make sure that you go there and you click that donate button. Um, along the same lines, guys, hey, we are a live radio call-in program, so we'd love to hear from you. And you can call us uh, asking any questions that you might have in the area of value, ethics, religion, of course, apologetics. Um, we'd, we'd love to talk to you about it. You can give us a call at 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-5552. And um, we'd love to hear from you. The, you're the reason why we're doing this, guys. LA, you are why we're doing this. And we love it when you call in. So uh, feel free, 888-995-KKLA. And I think that's all the formal stuff, guys. I think so. I think so. We bursted in like a, like a flash of lightning into the formalities of the show. Before we get into our topic, I'd just love to see how everybody's doing. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We got, um, I had a couple months off there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all did a little bit, right? Because yeah. uh, last month was New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, Eve and... Yeah. That just wasn't going to happen. No, I, I couldn't see myself here at New Year's Eve. And then <laughs> December, I wasn't feeling very well. Yeah. Yeah, you weren't feeling well. Okay. Yeah, we you had to. I had to drop you off at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, tried, I forgot I about tried that. my first cigar. Yes, it didn't go it well. It didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> you funny man, you. I'm a funny man. I know. Yeah, we. But I'm doing well. I'm 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 off cigars now. So that's well, okay. that's good. Off the sauce. And then, uh, no, every, everything's going well with everything's you. Everything's going good. It's really great to see you yep. and, and your beautiful beard. It's good to be here. Nice. And Joel, how's it going, man? Doing all right. Yeah, how's life? Very good. Life is pretty good. I think life's okay. Very blessed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like, it, it, I feel like life gets better and better and better and better, even though life is hard. Life is hard. But Jesus is coming back. And every day that we live, every breath that we take takes us one step closer 
to that day when Jesus is going to return. And he is going to right every wrong. And I am hanging my hat on that. Is it? You think it's wrong to, to want Jesus to come back soon? No. It's good? Yes. I crave Jesus. I mean, <clears throat> so I have a full, under, well, not a full understanding. I have the best understanding I can possibly have right now at this moment, I think. It can get better. But um, of, of who God is, and he does everything perfect and right, everything. And he uh, is in control. And he's patient and he's long-suffering and he's willing to be patient with his people and until every single person that's intended to uh, bend that knee and confess with their tongue that Jesus is Lord and he's been raised from the dead, uh, he's, he, will not, um, he will not delay. Once that happens, he will not tarry. Once that last person says, I do. Absolutely, man. He's, he's coming back and that could be right now. Even as we're speaking. Who knows? That could be somebody right now who's listening to apologetics.com right. at midnight on KKLA. And, um, and they have that, that come to Jesus moment through what we say. And they repent of their sins and they turn to Christ and trust him for their salvation. And, um, and who knows? You know, God could be coming back. Even on our way home, driving down the 101. Have Jesus come back on the clouds with all his angels. And, That'd be crazy. Dude. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can imagine in my mind what it might be like, but it's not going to be anything like. What it's it not going to be like. anything like that. Yeah, it's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that a part of me, a big part of me hopes that I'm alive and gets to witness it because that means it happens like sooner rather than later. Another part of me is like, yeah, it'd be kind of be cool to be behind Jesus ushering that kingdom in, you know, uh, the, the final consummation of that kingdom, I should say. It's going to be kind of scary. It's going to be super scary. Well, especially if you don't know him. I mean, oh man. Anyways, do you think it's going to be obvious? Sorry, do I think it's going to be obvious? Like, do you think? I mean, as as it starts, like as the storm clouds kind of form and the lightning <laughs> bolts come down, right? Are you gonna Are you gonna be like? Are, there, are the Christians gonna be like, yeah, this is it? Or or do you think it's gonna have to be wait for the big reveal before? I don't know. There's a lot there. Um, what do you think, Joel? I really don't know. Yeah, neither do I. When do we hear the trumpet sound? That's the thing. Is like I think if we pay attention. I think if we pay attention, we'll have an inkling, if we're, certainly if we're looking for him. But the problem with that, and this isn't even what we're talking about tonight, but like the problem with that is I feel like then all of a sudden you start seeing it you behind see it everywhere. Every, everywhere, right? Yeah. So it's like, wait, what was that? What was? Oh, did I hear the trumpet? Jesus is coming. Or are those storm clouds? Or is that Jesus? You know, so, I squirted some mustard on my sandwich and it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus, right? Like the, the, <laughs> you know, my toast, my toast. You know. Well, you mentioned a story recently at the Wailing Wall. I guess these letters are appearing in the um, in in the the foliage that's not just any there. letters though. Yeah, Yahweh, the Tetragrammatron. Yeah, I don't know what to make of all that stuff. To be honest with you, I make little of it just because until it's, well, it doesn't matter. It I mean, doesn't it's, really it's, it's matter. Not, it doesn't really. It doesn't really confirm anything. It's just interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, until I I I, I didn't really look at the picture that you showed me. Um, it's, I don't know. I, mean, it wasn't I feel like it would be a big, it, huge deal if it, that was really happening. It wasn't the neon sign. Wouldn't it, that? Yeah. It was yeah. definitely, It was definitely. if you look at it at this angle and you know what you're looking for, you could see what they're talking about. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's not obvious. It's like some kid down th- th- like like a week ago was like, look, it says Yahweh. And then uh, <laughs> and his parents were like, it does. And then they told their relatives who were on that trip with them. You know, they got on the tour bus and they were like, "Hey, did you guys see the Yahweh in the in the wall?" Well, well, this, this, the story was dated in July, I think. Oh, was oh. it? Yeah, it wasn't oh, recent. Oh, oh man, 
Never mind. Old hat. Old news. Sorry. Right. Old news. <laughs> Old news. All right. Hey. You guys can have that last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's uh, what, what do you guys want to talk about tonight? I think we want to start somewhere. We want to start with the well, the body of Christ and kind of the unity of uh, of the faith that we want to talk about. And Joel, how about do you want to introduce us to this topic? Sure. Absolutely. Um. Well, I think that Ephesians is pretty much all centered around uh, the unity of the faith. We're kind of we're discussing earlier that um, kind of pivotal verse that talks about how uh, Jesus gave gifts to his body, but they're to grow up all the saints into, into that place of the unity of the faith. Yeah, absolutely. What, what verse is that? Let's, uh, let's explore the verse here. So, uh, well, starting at uh, verse 11, it says that Jesus gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Messiah until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Messiah. Yeah. So there's this messianic promise that is supposed to be um, expressed, fulfilled in Jesus' church. Yeah. So, you know, some of the messianic promise is uh, Jesus' earthly appearance, his first earthly appearance, and then some of it is left for his body. Absolutely. So, A lot of it's left for his body. Which is the body of Christ, which is the church, the local yeah. church. As he is, so are we in this world. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, hope, hopefully I uh, like to, as much as we can, talk about what is that, what might that look like? What might the unity of the faith look like? How do we go about pursuing it in a way where there, we really live out the reality that there is one body? Yeah. And not just uh, a body over here and a body over there. Yeah. A universal, a, a Catholic church, a if Catholic you will, church right? in the original sense. In the original <laughs> sense, Loa Casey. We're not talking about Roman Catholic church. We're talking about Catholic, like the Apostles' Creed says, right? I believe in one holy Catholic church. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, and I, well, this is so Paul. Paul wrote Ephesians, right? So he wrote it. I don't know, um, somewhere in the early sixties is is I think conservative dating sixty to sixty three or something like that. And this is the purpose why he wrote it, right? He, so Paul's writing from prison, you know, so he's sitting in prison writing a church uh, in, in Ephesus, um, you know, um, trying to encourage these people to develop uh, into true children of God, you know, uh, and as, as we study it and, um, and, and kind of follow along Paul's teaching in it, you know, I think that we can become established as believers in Christ and, and grounded uh, and then we can fulfill the purposes that Paul is 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 calling uh, these people to as well. You know these God given purposes, which he mentions in that verse that you just read. Did you read that far though? I, I don't know where you stopped. Like I uh, got as far as the uh, oh, you mean about the uh, no longer being children? No longer being. Children. I stopped just before. Yeah. So I mean, because because okay. the the aim of the epistles to confirm and to equip a, a maturing church. And, um, and it's going to present us a balanced view of the body of Christ and the importance that that body has in the economy of God. And, and part of that is that 
uh, right? The body of Christ being a body is made up of different members, body members. And so those members have different purposes, right? And that's what Paul is going to kind of get into, right? So do you want to, do you want to continue reading there? Let's get the scripture, uh, scripture out there and then, and then talk about it. So as a result, um, as a result of, uh, attaining that full measure, measure the stature of the fullness of Christ, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Messiah, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I guess it has to be pretty good, right? It's the word of God. So what what are you thinking, Eric? Anything at this point? I'm kind of stuck back on on verse 11. Why? Um, Well, I'm just, I'm just looking at this and I'm wondering, um, so he's, he's broken the the body up into, into pieces, essentially apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and saints. Does that sound right? Well, there's a there's potentially a longer list of of, of spiritual gifts. I think in First Corinthians twelve, well, it's a maybe a more of a mix of uh, manifestations of the spirit and also uh, ministry gifts. But I don't think this is a list of gifts at all. This is just a list of of roles. Of, of in fact, it looks like a hierarchy to me. Well, it says um, it says he gave gifts to men, and so I think this is. Um, at least, uh, at least five of these are examples of gifts that he's given to the church, right? So, where does it say that he gave gifts? So um, going back to verse 7, it says, For to each, to each mm. one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so it says, When he ascended on high, he led kept, captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And so skipping the, the parenthetical, sure. it goes to verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. Well, some people. Well, yeah. Right. My translation says that he, he gave the, I'm in the ESV, I think, yeah, the ESV, and he said, uh, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith, which is what we're kind of talking about. I think we want to get to the unity of faith part. But right here, he's talking about these, the nuts. I, I, the, the way I read it is not so much the gifts. I mean, these people are obviously granted gifts, right? The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are all, they all have a certain gifting. But the, the main thrust behind that, that, uh, that verse, I feel like is found in verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of, uh, up of the body of Christ. So, so what I was, what I was getting stuck on was, um, there's a concept in computer science called recursive um, programming, but, but uh, Joel, do you know what concursive programming is? Recursive, yeah. recursive. Okay, it's, they're both engineers, guys. It's, it's self, it self calls. But so, somebody brought so, the smat people. Yes, yeah, um, <laughs> the the apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists. I, I have pastors. You have shepherds, um, teachers. These are the these are the the folks. These are the the people who actually um, equip the saints for the work of the body to. Uh, Work of the service ministry. to build up the, the body of Christ, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The saints are all those things. The saints are the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and the and the, and the shepherds, right? Well, I would say the there it's it's more inclusive. The saints are more inclusive than those things. 
I, I think what I'm getting down to is that everybody becomes one of these three, one of these four things. Oh, I don't, I, I mean. Because, I, because the only reason you How would have you to, come to that conclusion, dear Eric? Well, <laughs> the only reason you would want to <laughs> equip the saints is so that they could, and, and, the, and the work, the, the service of, the, of, of building up the body of Christ is to teach the saints to build up the body of the Christ, right? No, I mean maybe. What do you think, Joel? I'm going to argue with you, but that's okay. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's. Uh, I don't know if it's saying that this is all the, um, the possible things that you can be. These are certainly the initial gifts uh, that were given to the church to start the church off on that road toward unity. Um, I wouldn't say that we don't need them anymore, but it. I don't. I'm not sure if there is or isn't more than those five. Yeah. So I would say, well, there's certainly a few that are out of, there's one that's out of reach to everybody, right? Apostles. Apostles, Right. right? Then there's, uh, um, there's uh, every one of these. I mean, it depends how you're going to define, I guess it depends how we're going to define these, right? But for example, pastor or shepherds, depending on what version you're reading, right? So, So there's qualifications for a pastor or for a shepherd. And one of them, one of the main qualifications, I think it's in Timothy, is that there's the desire. Right. There's this desire. That that doesn't – not everybody has that desire. You know, that's why not everybody's a pastor. You know, I mean, I think we're all part of the royal priesthood, right? The priesthood of believers. We're all uh, saints of God. We are, when, you, when you are redeemed, when you are in Christ, you are a saint of God. I mean um, – so, but not all of us are going to be shepherds. I mean, I, and then this is where, okay, so evangelist shepherds, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, all of these things, the shepherds, we just talked about the pastors, right? The evangelists are, are equipped with certain gifts. You know, um, my gifting, if you were to take one of those gifting tests, is is partially evangelist, right? I The reason, I guess I'm direct and I say hard things is what people tell me. And that's what I've, I don't. I don't know. I I don't really think about this stuff that often. So I could be co- totally wrong, guys, about this. But this is the way that I read the passage. Uh, prophets are certainly um, you have a certain gifting. Evangelist, you have certain. No, I'm sorry. Prophet is what I score on, and evangelist is another one. Um, and teachers, but then again, parents are teachers, right? Right. So that's I think you were waiting for me to say that, right? I was. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure that that's what this is talking about. I don't think this is referring to just parents. I think that this is in the context of uh, – I, I liked what you said before, Eric, when we started. It seems like a hierarchy here. Right. Well, I'm, I was also wondering, do, do apostles create prophets? I don't think that's true. But do prophets create evangelists? Do evangelists create pastors? Do pastors create teachers? Do teachers create saints? Well, no. I mean – I mean, God creates. I, I know, all. I know. I, as I said it, I shouldn't have said it, but um, that, that that was one of the things I was thinking of the, in terms of the hierarchy. But but also, um, I mean, what what is the the work of the saints? The, the work of the saints is to to disciple others in in Christ, right? Well, yeah, but it's 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 it manifests itself differently. So the work of the saints can be different. For example, like deacons. For example, deacons have certain labors that have been assigned to them, right? Biblically speaking, you know, the reason why the apostles first found deacons is, do you guys know why? Because they were too busy with other stuff. To do what? To, To do the menial stuff. 
well, I wouldn't say menial, but <laughs> the non-spiritual, to, to, the non, to, you know, to, to feed and to, and to clothe and to take care of the widow and the orphan and stuff like this. So they have deacons, right? So they created deacons, the, the office of deacon. And there's a certain instruction that comes along with that office that you do. Like we have deacons at my church and they take care of the menial. Like I wouldn't say it that way, but the, they, they set up, uh, they set up our church service. They tear it down. Um, it's also if there's a need within the body um, that isn't specific to the pastoral position, um, then they are. And we have the most like the most amazing deacons at our church. I mean, we really do. Uh, that's a that's an objective fact. God told me. No, they, but, but they're, te- they're teachers also, though. But not all of them are. Sometimes they're uh, I mean, they're like. So this is where we get into the definitions, right? Uh-huh. I, I don't think they are. I think that teaching is is uh, I, I don't I think it's more than just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're teaching, you know, they're teaching their kids how to, you know, how to be a deacon. You know, I think teachers is, is different here. I don't know why I, I don't necessarily can't necessarily defend it right now. What do you think, Joel? You're deep in thought. I can tell yep. you've got to break, well, break it down I, for us. It's man. been a while since I've read it, but I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, the part in the book of Acts it talks about how there is a kind of division going on in the church at Jerusalem, right? Uh-huh. So there was, uh, I think, the Hellenistic Jews and the Palestinian Jews, or the, I guess the more um, Hebraic, I guess, kind of Jews, um, were at odds with each other. And there were complaints about favoritism, that the Hellenistic Jews were not being treated the same way. Yep. And I think that they assigned the deacons to help uh, sort the sort those things out, and so they decided that they they would need men that uh, I forget how they described it, but men essentially that had these attributes that are very uh, Jesus like. And uh, <laughs> and I think uh, Philip wasn't Philip and Stephen weren't they two of them? At the beginning, yes, Philip. Uh, I don't know if Stephen. I don't. I don't think Stephen's in the list, but I know Philip is. Stephen's and, right after that passage. So this is this is Acts six. And depending on how you define it, which is probably a, a topic unto itself, uh, Philip seems to adopt a kind of apostolic role at some point when he's sent into Samaria. Sure, and and we'll same with Stephen. Of and course. it's not uh, it's not clear how he ended up there, except uh, I think maybe it says that the Spirit took him. But uh, the <laughs> the apostles in Jerusalem are very surprised to find out seems that he was in Samaria. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, this is happening. So let me, before we move on too quickly, I just want to yeah. offer clarity about this passage. So this is, this is, what we're talking about is Acts 6. This is the installation of the first deacons. Now in these days when the disciples, this is the ESV. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in daily distribution. That's a distribution of food. Remember that in the early church, all the Christians gathered together and they, they lived communally. Right. Now, this isn't communism. What? Right? No, this is not communism. Right? This is not an example for a communist Christianity. They're, they're, those two terms are antithetical uh, because there's no coercion. There's no force used. Uh, people saw the need and they gave. It's just like every church that that I'm hoping every healthy church that that's out there, if they see a need within the body, they give. Well, this is the founding of the church. So here we have the founding of the church, and they you could say that again, man. The, yeah, okay. the daily distribution is 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 happening, and the widows are from from the 
uh, from the the Hebrews' perspective, the Hebrew widows are not getting their um, what they need. So then it says in verse two, verse uh, chapter six of Acts says, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom." Whom, we'll, whom we will appoint to this duty, and we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And they said, um, and they said, pleased with the whole gathering, and they they chose Stephen. Uh, so Stephen's right there. You're right, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, Nicanor. And Timon and Permenius and Nicholas and um, uh, a proselyte of Antioch and blah, it goes on and on and on. So that's anyways that's what we're talking about here. So that's Stephen and Philip are there. Stephen, dude, you were so right, Joel. <laughs> Stephen and Philip were right there. That's right. So I, I think one of the things that I find but interesting. Stephen about... doesn't last long. It doesn't seem like because yeah. he's he gets taken out of there pretty quickly. He does. I love Stephen, but he—it's a very—it's um, a very prominent role that he has for <laughs> for a short time. Well, it and says it's. It, I mean, if you were to go, sorry to keep interrupting you, Joel, but like if you go down <laughs> and read verse eight, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. You know, he's like so. They obviously, you know, the word of God. God is obviously highlighting Stephen here, and then, um, yeah. The thing that stands out to me about it um, is that. Uh, the the author of Acts, which is I think, think usually presumed to be Luke, uh, the same author of the Gospel of Luke at any rate, um, he's the uh, he's the gospel writer that talks about Jesus saying, um, "Who's the greatest? Who's greater? The one who is waited on at the table, or the one who waits on tables?" Yeah. And the interesting thing that happens here is that um, that is, the apostles say something like, "It's not fitting." If you look at like other translations of that they're saying something it's not fitting for us to neglect the word to wait on table yeah, it's not right that we should yeah. give up preaching and the, the interesting tables. thing is that these deacons manage to preach in spite of the fact that they're waiting on tables and in the book of acts you see a <laughs> you that's see funny. that's interesting you see less of the 12 after this point it's like god puts a spotlight on other people in the church. Yeah. And uh, so how significant is that? I'm, I'm not sure other than that um, it may be, is it a thing of pride with the apostles of God showing them that it's not all about you guys? Oh, or you'd have to make that case. Is he trying to show he's emphasizing the non-hierarchical message that Jesus gave about it's not going to. It's this way with the Gentiles. It's not going to be that way with. Well, the guys. church is also growing, so the church is exploding, right now. So more people are involved. So let's 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 talk more about this when we get back. Sure. I I do hear some music coming on. Wow, <laughs> that was our first segment. I think that was the fastest segment I've ever I've ever experienced <laughs> in my entire life. This is crazy. So anyway, hey guys, if you're listening, this is Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and think as believe and. Uh, we got another like 30 minutes, well, 25 minutes or so when we come back. So, so hang in there, and uh, I can't wait to be, to be back with you. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think 
and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. When a fine musician gives a masterful performance... Some credit goes to the musician, but don't forget the composer. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. Remember, the music is the composer's gift to the musician. Then the musician applies his or her skill to the composition to draw the best from it, to thrill the hearts of the listeners. What does that mean to us spiritually? God has created us. He's given us spiritual gifts, and now our goal should be His good pleasure in the exercising of those gifts. With God at work in us, we are to live to glorify Him, and that's music to His ears. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur with another edition of Portraits of Grace. The story is told of a missionary on board a ship who was awakened one night by a frantic cry of man overboard. Immediately he grabbed a portable lamp and held it at the window of his cabin. He couldn't see anything. The next morning he was told the flash of his lamp emitted just enough light to enable those on deck to see the man and rescue him. Wow. Darkness is even more debilitating in the spiritual realm because it represents sin. Fortunately, Christians have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Praise Him for granting you the saving grace and the illumination of His Spirit so that you could recognize His truth and respond accordingly. Be a light that shines for the sake of others. This is John MacArthur looking forward to bringing you more Portraits of Grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. And we're back. Just like that. <clears throat> Just like that, we're back. Apologetics.com, where we challenge believers to think, thinkers to believe. Uh, no calls yet tonight. We'd love to hear from you. We are live. It is, what, oh my gosh, it's February. It is. February 5th. February 5th at 12.31 a.m. Give me a call. I'd love to talk to you. What's that phone number? It's 888-995-5552. 888-995-KKLA. And uh, we'd love to talk to you. If you have any questions, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to um, what we're talking about tonight. We're talking kind of the unity of the church where we're digging into the uh, Ephesians and then now Acts and then Joel during the break says, I really, really want to get into John 17, <laughs> Jesus's high priestly prayer, which is like, there's so much to say. So we'll see if we get there. But I, I really do love this topic. And I, I might, um, 
I might kind of throw us a left hook here, if that's okay. I might take us down another road. Surprise, surprise, surprise. What? A little bit. No, I I mean, not totally, but like, I just think it's important because we're talking about the unity of the body and what is the body. You know, we're talking about the body of Christ and it's the church. And this highlights something for me that as we're talking, it's just kind of nudging at me that I really want to kind of bring out and highlight. And then we can get back to what we're talking about. And it's just the importance of the local church, that that each believer is is tied to a solid local church. And I'm going to say it, guys, because like, like, I'm just going to say it. That means going physically to church. Like I understand if you're uh, if if you're uh, immune system compromised. I understand in these days of COVID, if you have to take precautions, and and every church out there uh, should be providing a comfortable environment for everybody to come. Uh, certainly, every believer to come. I'm not saying they water down the gospel to to uh, to appeal to non-believers, but. If you have a brother or sister in Christ that's struggling to get to church, we should do what we can. In my church, for example, we would set up a section off to the side, you know, um, where, hey, you can come in. You can come in this door. You can sit by yourself. You can sit with a group of people who are who are in the simpler situation. Um, but the point is, is that that it's not it's not church if you're just watching it on television. Um, it's just not, guys. And, uh, and it, it's time. It's been two years. It's time that we... We all get back to church because it's really, really important because it is the community of God. You know, the church is is what provides Christian with community and support and the physical presence of other Christians actually revitalizes our soul um, in in many ways. Um, I just read this book called uh, Life Together by this guy. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So if you guys, yeah. He's the German from World War II, right? German, yeah. So he took, he took part in um, an assassination attempt on, on Hitler's life. And he says in that book, it really popped out to me, he says the physical presence of other believers is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. You know, the, it's that community that, that provides us a reprieve from, from the chaos that's going on in the world around us. So there's major benefits, you know, and, and when we're talking about the body and when we join together in unity, it's really important that we, we seek these things out. It, it, first and foremost, we're, we're, it's, we're told to do so in scriptures. And then let's bring it back to kind of like what we're talking about tonight in Ephesians. Where are we? We're Ephesians 11, 4. Oh, yeah. We're Ephesians 4, and, um, and he gave, and this is verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the church. Until we all attain the same unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That is quite, that's like that's one, amazing. that's one sentence, dude. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, and it's, I love, I love, for, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, 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 go. I, for, I, I love, I love verse 14. I mean, the, the purpose so we're going to do all this stuff. We're going to bring these people up. We're going to we're going to build this body up for what purpose? For the purpose of being stable in this crazy, crazy world. That's right. So we're not. So so we are grounded and anchored, yep. not being tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, which is exactly kind of um, it's exactly kind of what we're what we're seeing happen today. Yeah. You know, we're seeing these churches adopt these, you know, these, uh, you know, man-made philosophies, 
uh, abandoning certain aspects, important aspects of the church or, or chasing after these things, whether it be social justice or, you know, any of these issues. Nationalism. Na- nationalism. Christian nationalism is out there. It's like, it's just, that's, we don't need that stuff. And then if we're, if we're doing here what it says, right, if, 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 if the, if the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers are actually doing their job, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of the Christ, it says that we will be brought up in maturity and then we won't be tossed to and fro by these things. Instead, what we do is I feel like we distract ourselves um, into this. But know what? I have a I have a caller here, so I'm going to take the caller. And it's, is that okay, Joel? Sure. Joel, I see the disappointment in your eyes. <laughs> You're like the time is waning, but the that's okay because because we have a caller, and I don't I actually don't see your name here, but you are on the air. You have a question about being present at physical church. So what what's your question or comment? Hey, fellas, thank you very much for taking my call. I'm just getting off work here, and you heard your radio show and just wanted to contribute, like, five quick points of uh, <laughs> the good thing about being in physical church that might bless somebody out Let's do it, man. But first, I need, I need, what's your first name? Gersom. Gersom? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Gersom, thanks for calling. Okay, what are your five, what are your five points? All right, uh, first is uh, mutual encouragement. I know yes. right now that um, skyrocketing rates of depression, loneliness, isolation, anxiety. And according to Paul, when he wanted to see the Romans, he said, I hope to come to you soon that we might impart uh, spiritual gifts toward another and also have mutual encouragement. So one of the things uh, I've missed out on when I haven't been in church physically has been mutual encouragement. Someone knowing my name, inviting me for a coffee or men's gatherings. So mutual encouragement is one of the the things we'll miss out on if we don't go to physical church. Absolutely. Okay, what's the next one? This is you're good, man. You should be in here with us. I, whenever you guys are ready, I'm happy to stop by. Absolutely, <laughs> man. So, so okay, Gershom, what's number two here? You're on a roll. This is good. All right, number two, uh, the practice of reconciliation. Mm. Um, if we as Christians do not learn to forgive one another, we will leave a foothold for the enemy to more readily destroy wonderful relationships that have been built over time. And just practicing forgiveness uh, with one another is something that every Christian should be uh, well-versed and exercised in and be a part of. Um, It carries over not just in church, but even outside of church. Uh, The Lord invited us to forgive uh, your brother. If someone has odd against you, go and lovingly tell them. And that's one that as a church, we should be uh, helping uh, forgiveness be practiced, demonstrated, received, and given. And if we do not forgive our brethren, it makes it a hard environment to be in when we're harboring grudges from afar. And so we're kind of struggling in, in silence. That's number two. That's yeah. So, Gershom, that's a great point because James says, James and James 5, I forget what verse it is, but he says he says that we should confess our sins together and pray for one another. Mm. Why? Why? So that we will be healed. Right. And, mm. and so it's an important thing to, to gather together and do these things. Great point, Gershom. OK, what's what's number three here? Uh, number three, uh, it's kind of a lost art, but uh, ex- practicing our gifts in the presence of others to minister and benefit others besides ourselves. And in turn, benefiting from the gifts that others are exercising. There's some wonderful worship leaders, some wonderful kind listeners. There's some wonderful brothers who know how to dissect your heart take out the cancer or sin that's in there 
patch you back up, and at the end of it, with a cheer in your eye, you just want to say thank you. Absolutely, and that <laughs> ties back into your first point of mutual encouragement. Yep. Yeah. That's so uh, good. And what's the last uh, one? Point, uh, I would say accountability. Um, failure to <laughs> hold each other accountable. As it, Titus, you know, Paul exhorted Titus to say, "Hey, um, rebuke those that are having uh, un ungood doctrine and um, even subverting households un um, unawares." And so, uh, there's no way to keep checks and balances in our mind and heart about the things we be begin to believe about God. It might be incorrect. I think it was Tozu who said, "As a man." Uh, sees God and what he believes about him will determine how he practices his faith. <laughs> I partly butchered it, but... No, 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 that's right, though. Tozer does say that, knowledge that. of the holy, yeah. Yeah. So just a few uh, quick things <laughs> that have benefited me when, when I chose to show up to church, and I'm hoping it blesses someone out there, and that, the practicing those quick things and then others would help strengthen the unity of the bond. As, as you were saying, uh, the Lord's Prayer invited us to that fellowship of the father and he said lord help them be one as we are one <laughs> and i hope that there's the segue yeah you're uh that's you're, a great list that is it that's fantastic are you a pastor by any chance uh youth pastor yeah yeah <laughs> it's only a matter of time so you can take you take that church over man that's like that's a fantastic <laughs> list, dude. It's absolutely great, man. So mutual, sorry, all our listeners who are listening, Gershom came up with this fantastic list of the importance of gathering physically together, being present at the physical church, because first, mutual encouragement. Second, practice of reconciliation. Third, practice of our gifts. Fourth, benefiting from the gifts of others. That's so good, that one-two punch right there. And then lastly, the accountability that comes with being with each other face-to-face. -face. Uh, Gershom, man, you are a beast, a force to be reckoned with. Where where do you live? Whereabouts in L.A.? Uh, Huntington Park, sir. Huntington Park, man. What's what church do you uh, do you do you youth pastor at? Uh, I'm a youth pastor at Bible Baptist Church of Huntington Park. All right, man, uh, dude, keep up the good work. You're killing it. This is amazing. Awesome. Thank that was you, great. Gentlemen. Likewise, good night, everybody. Okay, good good night, Gershom, man. Thank you so much for calling. That is exactly what I'm talking about right there. Gershom just lifted my spirits. So great, man. That's unbelievable. Now I wish we had two hours to talk about this stuff, <laughs> but we don't. And but segued. Joel is not going to let the segue no. go because because know what Gershom mentioned that five that five pointed list. But now, now, let's talk about John 17, because uh, towards the end there, uh, Gershom mentioned Jesus' high priestly pr prayer. And what's the passage, or what, what do you want to specifically hone in here, Joel? So uh, John 17, 20, uh, Jesus says uh, in his prayer, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, mm -hmm. that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. <laughs> the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Dude, that's insane. It's so, so there's so much there. Go, yeah, Joel. So Go I mean on. I think that uh, you know, uh, Francis Schaeffer calls this the final apologetic. Yeah. Right? That the world the world sees this. They see the one new man that Paul talks about in Ephesians. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, all the ministry gifts are there to help guide us 
and lead us toward this. Toward that unity. Toward that unity. And Paul talks about it in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, talking about as a, as a body, the many are one. Just as your body is not just one thing, it's many, many parts together. He says, so also is Messiah. Yeah. So is Christ. Yeah. And he says, the foot cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Yeah. I have no need of you. And he even says that the ones that we think are unnecessary, they're actually more necessary than you can think. That's right. That's right. This is like... So what is that consciousness? That's a consciousness that only the Holy Spirit can give us. The It's really interesting that this comes up tonight because... Uh, so last week, um, for uh, my, my main job, you guys know this, is I, I work with Stan Theresa as, a, as an apologist, speaker, and content creator. So um, I, I go and speak. And then because of... Uh, COVID, we've, we've pivoted a, a fair amount. So now I do a lot of online stuff now. And I've been doing this thing called To The Point, which is this live video that I do on YouTube. Anyways, I spoke on Christian deconversion. I'm going to see my point in a second. I said a lot during that. During that, like I do a 15, less than 15 minute talk because it's pretty pointed to the point. And then I do question and answer for 45 minutes. And during one of the uh, questions, an atheist actually that was tuning in asked me, you know, what's a bigger threat? You know, these deconversions from Christians or atheists. And I said, well, I don't really have a, I don't, n- neither of these is a threat, in my opinion, right? So, cause, because uh, God is the author and perfecter of our salvation. God is in control. God is sovereign. And, and, and he's already worked all these things out. So I have faith in a sovereign and a just, a holy, righteous, and, and loving God. And in that, I, I, I made the comment that I trust God because I know him. Like it, I have a relationship with, with Jesus and it's an intimate relationship that I have with him. Well, behind the scenes, I got a lot of pushback on this um, from, from people asking questions on another online format. And it's because somebody was saying, a bunch of people actually were saying, you can't have an intimate relationship with Jesus. But this passage comes to my mind hmm. because, because he says, he says right here, um, I will have them in my word, and, and my prayer is that that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, and that they are not in the world. That, that he says that that he wants he, he his prayer for us for the saints of God is that we become where that that he is in us, just as we are. That's just the Father is in him, and like so, that's this like total symbiotic thing that's happening where where Jesus where we're in Christ, just as Christ is in the Father. You know, and it's an it's an amazing an amazing thing. Is that, uh, is that like a bridge? <clears throat> what do you mean? Well, I mean, so is is the group of people called them? There's Jesus and there's God. Is is Jesus in the group of people called them? And Jesus is in God. Therefore, there, there's a connection. All well, sure. Through. He yeah, he bridges that gap. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives right. in me, is what the scripture says. And so I was just, I, at a certain point, I, I kind of abandoned the, the conversation just because it starts getting really lengthy and, and it, it's just a lot of work to, to respond. One, one guy wrote literally, and it was a really good response, really thoughtful and more appreciative of it, but it was like three separate comments and each comment was probably 2,000 words. Oh, wow. So it's just like, I'm out. But anyways, that's a side point to what we were saying. It is, a, it is an interesting, it's an interesting question partly because uh, – the most intimate relationship between human beings is used as, in a way, a type of Jesus' relationship to the church. 100%. The church is right. So now there could be a sense in which there's an intimacy 
maybe there's an intimacy, uh, a dimension to that intimacy that can only be experienced collectively as the whole bride. But I don't think that that means that we're never individually. You know, he that is joined into the Lord is one spirit with him. That's right. That's language that harkens back to the two become one flesh. Absolutely. Well, all through, I mean, I mean, this gets us into, I mean, we don't have, obviously, we don't have time to go into it, but this is why sexual ethics is so important. Like a biblical sexual ethic um, is so important because it's found, it, it, it has its grounding, its foundation in Christ and his relationship with the church. You know, that's why it's the, it's the, the bride of Christ. Being, being called the bride of Christ, guys, what it does is it, it, it precludes, you know, us from, from reducing the church to like, like a social club or, um, or a, a historical society where you just like learn facts or, mm-hmm. or like any other charitable organization that we might become a part of. That's not the same thing. There's, there's a, we're being knit together as, as one organic body brought together under one banner and that banner is Christ. He is the head, right? Christ is the head and, and he is perfecting us and he's, he's allowing us, assigning us and giving us our duties and our gifts and stuff like this. But when we work together corporately, uh, that's when, that's when the, that's when the world shakes, you know, that's when the world shakes, when the, when the church becomes unified, um, you know, and then, you know, the, the, anyways, there's, there's so much, there's so much to say here because, because we're the bride of Christ, it, uh, the the church is is a representation also of the new creation, right? And that's why life is so stinking hard right now because there's this there's this there's this rub, there's this friction as the old Adamic world uh, is is rubbing and brushing shoulders with the new creation and and uh, and it's tearing at the very fabric of of, of society right now, but uh, but we have to remember that that we are part of the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against what. The church. It's not. It's not against you, Joel, or you know. It's not against me or you, Eric. It's. It's against the church of Jesus Christ, of which we are all members. But this is why it's so important to understand the. The. I mean, we we got that. Gershom had that awesome five point list, but I mean, that just scratches the surface here. We're just. Uh, that's that's the thing that benefits us. What are the what are the spiritual realities that are that we're talking about? What are the spiritual yeah. uh, benefits that are happening? The stuff oh. that's happening in in the. In the heavenly places. Well, it says in Ephesians 3, uh, you know, Ephesians 2 talks about the one new man that uh, is being yeah. built into a temple That's right. for the Lord. And in uh, chapter 3 of Ephesians, it says, um, let's see, it talks about the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. So, the church has this role to um, to make known yeah, that's the wisdom that God revealed in Messiah. It's a it's a power. I don't think I don't think the church uh, realizes the power that it's been given because probably because <laughs> we don't have that unity. That's right. We don't know like we've been given this glory that Jesus had from the Father to become one, but we don't know what that is, and we're we're fighting over which one. <laughs> Gershom, Gershom mentioned, you know, the, the the pervasive anxiety and depression. You know, our times are are defined by these things: anxiety, restlessness, depression, distractions. You know, and it's because our our lives, our daily lives, are these performance based, like like soul crushing grinds. You know, and 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 that, that grind plays the thief to our identity of who we really are, and that's why, like, when we when we place our identity in Christ and in, in His bride, the Church. 
uh, we, we, we withstand the, 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 um, the culture of chaos, the culture of confusion. But not only do we withstand it, we stand up to it. You know, because because the church isn't just it's not just the community of God. It's not just the bride of Christ, but it's also it's also the training ground for for ambassadors for Christ for us to do battle, which is included in in that Ephesians passage that we were talking about at the top of the program. Right. Because uh, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and, the, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and crafting his schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom all body joined together, uh, jo- joined and held together by every joint with which is which is with which it is equipped right so so jesus is bringing us together as one body with a purpose with an intent there's a telos right there's a purpose there and that purpose is to push back at the schemes of the devil the liar right so it's to, it's to press back with the truth of who we really are again bringing it to sexual ethics i just can't mm-hmm. think of a more more important prudent topic right now pushing it into sexual ethics our identity as as christ believers as christ followers uh, it, it dispels any of these myths as people try to find their identity and their sexuality, gay, straight, whatever, you know, um, it, you know, the uh, gender issues, right? Mm-hmm. We, 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 we chase after these schemes of men, right? These, these, uh, these waves and, and, um, and winds of doctrine, uh, human cunningness and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and this is how we've gotten into this mess here because we forget our identity because we've, we've forgotten the importance of the church. I just went off. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But like, no. you just hit a nerve there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But I think it's important because our, our, our cancel culture that we currently live in, it is. It's cutthroat and, and, and we need things like love, peace, joy, patience, self-control. Right? Sound familiar? Like, where is that stuff going to come from in this day and age, if not from the bride of Christ, if not from the church? I mean, it's not going to come. It's not going to come from any political system. It's not going to come from any, you know, uh, social justice program. You know, it's not yeah. going to come from more education, more power, money. Yeah. It only comes them and emanates from the believer who is a member of the bride of Christ. Well, those things can temporarily give you some, some relief, some purpose, and some direction, but they they ultimately fail. They fail. They're fleeting. Yeah. 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 We're not going to get lasting stuff except for the, except for the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Joel, what else you got, man? You, I know I, I took us off on a, I took us <laughs> off on a huge tangent. And I'm really no, sorry no, I don't, that. I don't think it's a tangent. I, I mean, think a that, bit. you know, speaking the truth in love, I think that that there's so much packed just into that one phrase is that uh, we can't abandon truth in the name of love. And we can't abandon love in the name of truth. Yeah. And well, the two are inseparably linked. They they, they will know they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Right. Right. So uh, you know, I give you a new commandment. You know, singular. Believe in the Lord Jesus and love one another. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't separate them out as far as Jesus is concerned. Well, it, it, that that is that mirrors the that mirrors the Decalogue too, right? I mean, you get rid of love your God, like you get rid of love God. There is no other God besides me. You get rid of that, and all the other commandments fall. You said the second is likened to it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Second's very close to it. Yes. And you, but you can't get rid of that first yeah. one, and then expect. So that's why, like, the, you can't get rid of. Uh, you know, love God and expect to have love people. It just, it doesn't work that way. And that's the failure I think that we see in the various forms of humanism. We see the postmodern yeah. ethic and it, and it breaks down. 
eventually it breaks down. You have you have people in the name of compassion being anything but compassionate. Absolutely. I mean, we see that right now. I mean, as as these systems that we've built up, um, you know, uh, the, the CRT, right? Critical theory, critical race theory. We see these things, and then there's uh, there's there's real issues that these things are hitting at the root of. Like like they're they're real issues that are out there, but they're completely missing the point because it's just making the oppressors uh, in into the uh, the oppressed Oppression. into the oppressors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like you can't solve oppression by oppressing people. It doesn't work that way. Like you can't you you've got to you've got to lead with love, and and it's got to be a a love that's that's modeled after Jesus, and you can't do that from a secular perspective. That's why any worldview that that doesn't include Jesus is bankrupt. Ultimately, it's it's impotent. It, it you can't. It doesn't do anything for you. Ultimately, I mean, it might temporarily, Eric, like right. you said, but it's Amen. just yeah. God is love. He is love. Yeah, and he is truth. Yeah, I mean, all those attributes, you know, they they stem from his very being. Of who he is. That was a really fast hour. I'm closing my computer, <laughs> and um, and we're we're like done, <laughs> done. I've, now, nights like this, I wish that we had the two hours back. Right. You know, because this was a good conversation, Joel. Man, I'm I'm so glad Joel brought this up earlier yep. today to talk about. It. I'm glad that you did because it's an important conversation. So, uh, hey guys, if you've been listening, you've been listening to Apologetics.com Radio, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. And, uh, and I do want to make that appeal one more time, guys. Make sure you go to our website, check out what we're doing, leave comments for us there, write us. We love to hear from you. And also make sure you uh, you make that donation, that tax-deductible donation to keep us on the air. It's great being with you. Uh, I'm John Noyes. This is Apologetics.com Radio. Have a great week. Have a great week.